Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hey, welcome back to Alabama AgCast. This is Hunter McBreer, Director of the Bee and Honey Division here at the Alabama Farmers Federation. I'm excited to welcome our guest, Mr. Jack Rowe. Jack is a regional extension agent with Alabama Extension, and he also serves as the leader of the Extension Apiculture Team, or as I like to call them, the Bee Team. Jack, thanks for taking a little bit of time with us today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, Jack, it's, it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. You and I tend to chase a lot of rabbits whenever whenever we talk, and it's always fun. Um, for those folks that, that don't really know who you are, I know my beekeepers are pretty familiar with you, um, but tell me a little bit about you. How'd you get to Extension, and, and how are you based out of Fairhope down there when you worked for the state? <laughs> Well, uh, I came here by roundabout ways. I'm actually uh, an Eastern Kentuckian. I'm from the Appalachian Mountains in the coal mining land. Uh, grew up, uh, of course, with big gardens and bees and forests and coal mines. And uh, I ended up going to UK. I didn't go into the family business mining. I went into agriculture, horticulture, moved on to entomology, and then had a series of jobs related to that that uh, that has over a long career led me here. So it is definitely a maze to trace back my history. Well, I, I think um, going back to my extension days, which is when I really first got to know you and I guess Bo Broadbeck down there too, um, it, I got to know you as an urban forester before your, your time there. So uh, for those folks, a lot of our listeners have timberland and they're familiar with foresters and people cruising timber. But to some people, what is an urban forester? Like what, what's, it, what's, what's the point of having an urban forester, I guess? I know the value. You tell me why, why we should have that. Well, the uh, uh, trees uh, in urban forestry are much less of a crop then they are a herd. So an urban forester is a shepherd of trees. So, uh, you know, the regular foresters are raising up a crop of trees. They're, they're thinking board feet, pulp, you know, et cetera. And uh, we're thinking, you know, like all the different things that trees do for people. So they're very necessary to city life. Uh, you, you have shade, you have sound reduction, pollution reduction. Uh, you also have beauty and aesthetics uh, there's loads of really great research that shows that trees actually make a huge difference to, difference to our psyches and our mental and physical health. Uh, so we're there watching over all the woody plant material inside of the city's boundaries. It's, uh, it's an endlessly fascinating job. So really, shepherds of trees, or if you're a Tolkien fan, we're the ends. <laughs> it may be the, uh, the most beautiful way that I've ever had an urban forester position uh, explained to me. That's, that's a very good way to put it. Uh, when you know, I, I got called out to look at a lot of trees whenever I worked for Extension. A lot of small towns would have their prized 100-year-old water oak or whatever it was that was beginning to decline, and uh, I would always call on you guys to tell them uh, to help me tell them that it was not going to make it. So <laughs> thanks, uh, <laughs> thanks for thanks for all the time that you helped there. So really today, I guess I really want to talk about bees with you. Uh, forestry is out of my lane, but I, I thought that it'd give a little bit of background about you. How have you become 
the extension bee team leader. You know, apiculture, which is the study of bees and the keeping of bees, um, is really, I guess, what y'all call it. But I call you the bee team, and I think it fits. It's a great name. I like it a lot, actually. Apiculture is not on the on people's lips, but bee team just sounds like, yeah, USA. <laughs> Yeah, I came here to be the urban forester, uh, and uh, when, once I came to Alabama, it was like, hey, look, I have land for the first time in 20 years. I think I'll have some bees. So, uh, you know, hives and bees came together on my suburban lot, and I thought, well, they have this big symposium. I should go and see this and see what southern beekeeping is all about. This is in the, uh, in the 20 aughts, and while I was there, who should spy me but my, my lord and master in the extension system, Dr. Paul Mask. And uh, he was very curious as to why the tree man was at the bee symposium and explained that, yes, I am indeed a beekeeper. And he said, really? <laughs> and after that, I found that, uh, that all these beekeeping duties fell upon me. Uh, and it was, it was honestly fun. It was a great way to mix it up. Uh, trees and bees go together very well, uh, not only in uh, urban forestry, but also in actual forestry. So agroforestry is a real thing, and you can actually find fantastic photographs from the turn of the century, turn of the 18s, uh, uh, the uh, 18s into the 19s of uh, apiaries in Alabama underneath of the pines. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, really a great match. Uh, as time moved by, Dr. Two was moving out and uh, they asked me, would I consider moving in? So, you know, the first year was me kind of gently moving in. <laughs> well, and it's been rock and roll ever since. I, hey, I'll tell you, um, y'all hit the ground running. And uh, when and I know that uh, Jim Two, Dr. Jim Two, uh, one of my most favorite human beings long before I ever really, maybe even before I knew Extension, I knew Jim too, <laughs> and uh, and and the work that he did, and and uh, he he's kind of that that guiding voice for a lot of people. But of course, once he I guess retired from from down here, went back to Ohio. Uh, I, he I think he still comes to Alabama a pretty good bit, but. Um, it, it was a, a very interesting way that I, I saw Jack coming into the role, and I just can't tell you how proud I am of the work that y'all do as a team. Um, it, it really is – I know it really is a, a, a pretty great thing that y'all been able to do. So along those lines, tell me a little bit about your team. I know that it is a little bit of a small team, especially right now, but uh, tell me a little bit about the team and, and how it works. Hey, well, uh, the team started out with just three people. Uh, myself, Philip Carter, and Allison Shable. And uh, both Allison and Philip are only minor percentages of their time uh, focused on beekeeping. I'm the only one who's focused full-time on beekeeping in the entire extension. The, uh, the very first thing that happened uh, was that uh, Philip retired. So that made all of it fall on Allison and I. I can't thank Allison Shable enough uh, for how much work she puts in on beekeeping with me. Uh, she's an absolute rock star of an extension agent. Uh, she's fun and focused and has a lot of great things to say. Uh, I really, if I were to ever grow up, I want to be like her. <laughs> okay. Uh, as time went by, of course, we, uh, we got Dr. Jeff Williams uh, from Switzerland, of all places. He's a Canadian, but he came to us from Switzerland. Uh, he became uh, kind of a de facto team member 
Uh, we have since struck a deal with him and his department. He is a pure researcher and an instructor, but, uh, but we have struck a deal with his department and he helps out with extension work as well. He and his graduate students, they actually get uh, some great articles written uh, by his lab uh, that we put out to the people of Alabama on a monthly basis. So that's where we stand now. We're, we're, we're a team of a roughly four people, uh, grad students in Dr. Williams County. Well, I, I, I can tell you, I know uh, we've had Jeff Williams on maybe a couple months ago. We had Jeff on, and uh, he, he uh, sounds even more northern than you do, Jack. I think you've, I think you've acclimated a little bit better than, than Jeff does. Now, Jeff is fantastic, and, and, of course, the work that you all do is so important. So beekeeping in Alabama is different than some other states. You know, I, I mean, I don't know how to say that in a different way. We have a lot of beekeepers, but not a lot of commercial beekeepers, right? We have, we do have a commercial industry here. Um, but how do you kind of see the role that the bee team plays with our our new and beginner beekeepers or those that are a little bit smaller? But then also, how do you kind of bridge the gap to be able to help out those people that have been keeping bees for 50 years? Uh, so... With extension, of course, this is, you know, like, you know, like old hat for you. Uh, you know, we're there to provide the information and training to help people succeed at what they're doing. Uh, and that's where we're focused in, in beekeeping. Beekeeping is not like it was decades ago. Uh, we have new parasites, new diseases, new predators, uh, and, uh, and the list just seems to keep growing all the time. Uh, the South presents other challenges with uh, the extended seasons that we have down here and the lack of a really cold winter. Uh, you know, bee starvation occurring not because it's so cold outside, but because, you know, it's winter and it's only 60 degrees. So, uh, so they're able to fly around and they've got nothing to eat. Uh, so uh, bee starvation, instead of like starving inside the box, they're starving outside of it. Uh, but the, uh, uh, it's, it's really a more interesting form of beekeeping to me. This is no pushing your boxes into a square and wrapping them in quilts and making certain they have a candy board. Uh, this is plotting and planning for, uh, for plant life and what's going to be in bloom during the winter and how, do you, how are you going to provide feed. Uh, the extended seasons also make their parasites and predators even worse because they have extended seasons themselves. The mites reproduce like mad in our, uh, our warm, warm springs. The same thing with the beetles. Uh, so the, uh, the, the hurdles are a little higher in some ways and, uh, and a lot different in others. Uh, with the small time beekeepers, you know, the hobbyists, which we have so many of, uh, a lot of it is just you know, like, like best practices. We wanna focus on, you know, these are key things you need to know and do to have success with beekeeping. Uh, anybody can have a little side business. Anybody can, can uh, run bees. There are you know, folks in Long Beach, California of my acquaintance who are keeping bees on garage rooftops in the middle of Los Angeles. Okay, so this, uh, it's definitely happening. Same thing in New York. People are keeping bees on rooftops and having great success. We can have a lot of success down here, uh, but there are those things you have to know about, particularly with the newer pests and diseases. Uh, moving from uh, small to big, uh, you know, like commercial beekeepers, 
Uh, we were there as a resource, you know, what's new in the science world, uh, got the full power of a pollination lab and the folks are on the absolute cutting edge of the research there who can help out with questions and problems that commercial beekeepers have. Uh, on the whole though, the crossover between small and big is really wide and, uh, and all the information is good. Uh, the bigger problems are almost always in folks who encounter a problem for the first time. And, you know, gentlemen called and, and we spoke for quite some time. The man has been keeping bees for decades and decades. Uh, this was his first time dealing with mites, which was an absolute shock. You know, like how, how isolated is this gentleman? <laughs> <laughs> there really are no bees in your area, sir. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's take a break for just a second, hear a word from one of our sponsors, and we come back. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what you've done to try to get some of that information out to some beekeepers. So we'll be right back. It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit, and while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources. Hey, welcome back to Alabama AgCast. This is Hunter McBreer, Director of Bee and Honey Division here at the Farmers Federation. We're with Jack Rowe from Alabama Extension. Jack, we were just talking about some of the, uh, the, the nuances, I guess, of keeping bees in Alabama and how different it is with it being an experienced beekeeper or a new beekeeper, a large, uh, it's someone that has a large apiary or somebody that has a couple of hives in their backyard. Last year, uh, among other extension programs that really shine, your team really showed up and showed out. Uh, and I, I've, I've told you that. I've, I've told you how proud I was of the team and, and those things. Tell me a little bit about the at-home beekeeping series. You mentioned people in L.A. and New York. There's a really good chance they heard you, right? Yes, actually they did. Uh, and that is not only there, we had a lot of people listening in from Asia. We had people in Africa, we had people in Europe and South America. Uh, so uh, that, that webinar has gone far and wide. It got started uh, years before uh, with Allison Shabel. She ran a yearly October webinar, uh, three or four webinars over the course of October. And, uh, and I spoke on them. Uh, and it, it was just there waiting for us when the pandemic hit and we were all locked away from people. Uh, it was, how are we going to reach people? Well, well look what Allison has done. It's like, Allison, shall we use your webinar? She says, yes, and we go from there. Uh, marry that uh, to Dr. Williams' amazing network of beekeeping researchers across the entire globe. Uh, and we suddenly have uh, beekeeping specialists from the entire southern tier of states and, uh, and some people from across the seas in Europe uh, to speak on our show. We have great relationships now with, with uh, beekeeping extension in all the surrounding states and the USDA. So it's, uh, it's really quite amazing how quickly that grew. Uh, we were doing it on a bi-weekly basis all the way up through July of 2020. That was really stretching it. I think we all spoke more than a few times. Uh, and then um, uh, it uh, moved down into just once a month. Uh, and that has stayed. And it is staying. 
It is definitely one of our staples. Uh, the crowd still comes. It's always wonderfully informative. And, uh, and we have some of the best speakers you could possibly wish to hear about beekeeping uh, come on and talk about their subject matter. Now, I, I think that that's a, a perfect way to say that. It doesn't matter if you've been keeping bees. If you're interested in keeping bees and you're just considering getting into it, um, of course, it goes into some finer points, but then also just overall colony health, how to sustain yourself as a beekeeper, which I think is probably the challenge uh, that we hear most often. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's probably getting time for us to begin to wrap up. Tell me a little bit, you know, we talked about the, these once monthly webinars. Um, how can people find more about that and how can they see uh, uh, more information about some upcoming webinars or newsletters or however, how can they find out about what y'all are doing? Uh, so uh, all of this information is housed on the Extension website. That's uh, aces.edu. Uh, there's a large and glowing search box at the top of the page. Type in beekeeping, and uh, you will be taken to a page of results that shows them all. At-home beekeeping is on there, complete with a list of, uh, of upcoming talks. We also have uh, a monthly newsletter that we put out. So that one is on there, the AU Beekeeping Monthly News. And uh, you can sign up for that there as well. New articles that are written, new fact sheets that are written all appear on that page. Uh, so all of that is there to select. Uh, right now, we're also working on a, a basic course, just you know, what do you need to know to keep bees? Uh, and it's going to be done in the, the design of an online college course. Uh, so once you come out of it, you actually get to uh, pass a quiz and get a certificate saying, I know basic beekeeping. Yay. Uh, which is better than how, you know, I started way back when in the mountains. So uh, I urge you to take it. We're, we're working hard on it now. No, well, I appreciate y'all working on that. You know, uh, I always kind of go back to the policy that we have. Of course, we have a state bee and honey uh, committee, and we have policy that uh, directly pushes me in different things. And that's been one of the things that our beekeepers have wanted. And I'm so happy that you, in, in cooperation, of course, with Allison and your team, but also with Jeff and, and the Pollination Lab, are working on these things. I think having good research-based, non-biased information, which is the mission of Extension, to get to beekeepers, there's a lot of opinions out there. And, uh, you know, I've always said if you ask uh, 10 beekeepers, what's your opinion on this, you're going to get back like 60 different answers. You know, everybody has multiple opinions. And so thanks for doing that. Uh, well, I, I guess we need to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, again, this is Hunter McBrayer, director of the Bee and Honey Division here at the Alabama Farmers Federation. Jack, Thank you so much for taking a little bit of time away from your work there at Extension and hanging out with us for a few minutes. It was a lot of fun. Well, we'll look forward to having you back, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, Beekeeper series and hopefully hear a little bit about more so, some of those webinars. Again, Hunter McBrayer with Jack Rowe from Alabama Extension. Be sure to click that follow button, and that way you can get a weekly update of all the things we're working on. And now, your weekly Ag Cash wrap-up. wake of what seems to be one challenge after another for the beef industry, the world's largest meat supplier, JBS, has recently provided another shockwave for markets to interpret. 
On Sunday, May 30th, JBS reported that it had become the latest casualty of a cybersecurity attack to its IT systems. As of this recording, JBS has temporarily altered processing in Canada and Australia and will most likely be forced to do so in North America soon. The whole situation is currently being investigated and more information will be forthcoming. But right now, the most immediate concern is that operational supply lines continue to be full and functional. The full impact will be seen in the coming days and weeks, and we will be actively monitoring this ordeal here at the Federation. In other news, members of six prominent ag organizations, including AFBF, recently met in Phoenix, Arizona to discuss a wide range of important issues in the beef industry, including but not limited to price discrepancy and transparency, packer concentration, harvest capacity, and more. A collective statement from the groups read, and I quote, attending organization representatives were pleased to have reached a consensus on many issues and are committed to the ultimate goal of achieving a fair and transparent cattle marketing system, end quote. That's all we have for this week's wrap-up. Thank you for listening to the Alabama AgCast. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.